They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside. And Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello, I'm Ian Shepherd. You're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. Joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock and Dan Kingdom. And we're recording this Tuesday after Somerset's game up at Bristol finished in a draw against Gloucestershire. Affected by the weather, just like the previous game against Surrey. Only 20 overs were possible on the first day. On Thursday, Friday was a complete washout. Uh, quite a lot of play on Saturday and then a bit of play on Sunday as well. I'm going to take you through my in-person report on Thursday. Uh, Gloucestershire won the toss and not surprisingly uh, asked Somerset to have a bat in some pretty gloomy and uh, overcast conditions. It was spotting with drizzle. Tom Lamanby decided to take a single where there really wasn't one to Ian Cobain at square leg. Ran himself out for three but uh, Eddie Byram and Tom Abel rebuilt very well to finish with a score of about 45 for one I think it was uh, and then the rain came at lunchtime and we decamped to the pub that was all the play I saw on Thursday and Friday Dan how did Saturday go yeah so um Tom Abel was the star of the day uh, he 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 was just utterly focused on occupying the crease which is nice to see for a Somerset batsman you don't really uh get it much these days um you know a lot of you know we're quite a fast scoring side and often you know we you know our inning the, the, the innings that our batsmen play often they they are ended prematurely because of a you know a, an expansive shot or whatever you know shown by the fact we haven't had a century yet this season um so for tom to finally get that century um was great um he you know he just wasn't worried about scoring quickly he 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 knew on a on a sort of a slow wicket against good bowlers he just had to stay there um take the ones and twos where available and the occasional boundary um uh, yeah, the primary goal was just not to lose his wicket and he he it was a master class of crease occupation um and finally a, obviously a century for us um in the county championship um at the other end we had eddie byram who made another start he looked quite comfortable sadly he got out for 38 and then obviously after he got out there was a bit of a collapse after lunch with, with Hildreth, Goldsworthy, Davis um, and Bartlett none of them made very many but thankfully Craig and then Lewis steadied the ship Lewis Gregory that is um, steadied the ship I mean Gregory was Gregory batted really nicely he he chose the balls to attack well um, he, he had a couple there was, was a flurry of boundaries at one point but you know he you know he, he defended where he had to Um and that got us up towards about 300 mark. Obviously, he got he got out just before that, but uh, Abel and Josh took us over the line. Abel declared with him on, uh, he was on 132. Uh, his career best is 135, so that just shows that, you know, he was utterly selfless in making that declaration when he did. It was a well-timed declaration as well, because I think the thinking was <clears throat> we got to 300 in about, I think it was 101 overs or so. And he was probably thinking, we're probably not going to get another 50 runs in time for the next batting point. So he thought, well, why not just declare now and also have the side effect of denying Gloucestershire a, 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 their final bowling point. And it meant that we could get in and get going with our bowling. And yeah, I mean, that evening we got two wickets and you know, Craig and Josh were brilliant, um, particularly Craig. Craig was just unplayable. There's one, one over in particular to Brathwaite 
um, Brathwick had no idea how to play him. He's one of the best openers in the world, and he was really struggling against Craig and very lucky um, not to get out. Um, but yeah, the other end there was uh, yeah Bracy, wasn't it? Bracy wasn't very happy with his dismissal, um, and Dent was out first ball, um, to a good catch uh, from Lewis Goldsworthy. Uh, but yeah, it was exciting. After a slow burn sort of first couple sessions, punctuated with sort of Lewis's occasional uh, fours and sixes, uh, it was sort of a slow burning day until that mini session at the end, which suddenly the crowd were going. You know, there were quite a few Somerset fans in the crowd. Um, and there was finally, yeah, there was some real excitement and some real energy. Um, not that the rest of the day had been boring, it was just a sort of a slow burner. Um, but yeah, that end was exciting. Yeah, you sound like you had a better day of it than I did. I should explain I know, to I listeners that um, I went I went up for Thursday and Friday, which uh, during which time I got to see the grand total of twenty point one overs. Dan went up on Saturday, um, so I guess we'll hand over to you, Steve, for your live stream perspective on the end of the game on Sunday. Well, can I can I just say that I think social media we've come up between a few of us we've come up with a plan for listeners that going forward Ian and Dan you need to tell us which days you're going to when we're not on a ballot so that we can all plan which days to come so we're going to avoid shepherd days and go on kingdom days basically so if you can just let us know each week what games you're planning to go to guys that would be a nice public service for, well, for Somerset supporters I was um, successful you know in what? days one and two of the ballot for the Hampshire game so <laughs> I can't see many members wanting to miss that on the basis that I might be going and it might rain <laughs> It, it's okay. I, I got all four days. So oh, there we uh, go. We've, okay. we've, it's a we're paradox. Okay. There we go. I suppose if me and Dan are there sat opposite ends of the ground, Dan, 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 Dan well, Yeah, I don't know what happens on days one and two. Both of us there, but we'll see. <laughs> Interesting yeah. test. Um, I I thought my my views from watching the live stream. I thought Eddie Byram actually. I I actually tweeted Dan and said it's your presence there that's working. He's he's through the rocky twenties now, and then he goes and gets out about two balls later. So, sorry, Eddie, that was my fault. Um, I thought that last session was absolutely pulsating. Uh, I just so wanted to be in the ground to watch it. Um, Craig, it terrifies me watching on the stream, and certainly wouldn't want to be batting against him. And I totally agree with what Dan said. I think he hit Brathwaite in the let's say the upper inner thigh mm. in that first over and I don't think Brathwaite wanted to face him after that um, and it, it just looked like we were going to take a wicket every ball and then the Sunday morning it just carried on in that that little session or session and then another over and a bit or whatever that we got we picked up another four wickets didn't we so it was, it, I, I did took what Polly Rhodes said on Twitter and extended it in the blog and I think if I know it's a fatuous thing to say but if we'd have carried on at the rate we were going in that five six overs we would have bowled them all out twice with time to spare before lunch for 66 if they just started on the Sunday morning so that just shows how dominant we were and I don't think there was a genuine in front of the wicket run scoring shot yeah. in their innings um, there weren't many of us, to be fair. It we noticed that Saturday morning, wow. Friday mo mm. Thursday morning, um, we had to wait for about an hour to see a run scored in front of the wicket. I guess it was probably, it's not a drive-in sort of pitch until after about an hour in, uh, Eddie Byram hit a lovely one down the ground towards the flats. And then a couple of overs later, Tom Abel um, 
responded in kind with one towards the pavilion. But those are the only shots in front of the wicket I can really remember from uh, the twenty overs I saw on Thursday. Yeah, and on on Friday on Saturday, um, it was very much you know Tom was just waiting and just taking the ones and twos where he could, and it was a lot of it was behind the wicket. I remember he did a there was a cut shot he played. Um, maybe half an hour before lunch and I remember as soon as he played that shot I thought wow that's the first shot of the day there's been a sort of real intent behind it because until then it had just been you know had it necessarily it was just a slow burner and it we had just had to stay there and you know, you know get the occasional one and two because it's not not an easy way to score quickly on at all it was it was shades of the Bob Willis game at Taunton last year where Abel got 100 in the second innings with Lamanby and they got I think they got 220 for one or something in the second innings and bold Gloucestershire all out twice for under 100 each time, didn't they? Mm. And you were you were going, well, how come we can get 220 for one and they can't even muster 100 either time around? And it was a bit, it was a bit like that. I think, like Anthony's emailed me and he's got his, his familiar likes Byram, time for Lamb and B to move down the order. I think Tom Abel should open, which we've heard on here a few times before. But it just makes me think that my prediction about Gloucestershire might slip away. I wonder how much damage that's done them. And, you know, James Bracey is, is off into the, the England fold fairly soon. They go to the Oval and certainly seem to have, sorry, although they haven't got Kemar Roach anymore, they do seem to have improved and a bit and I wonder if if we might just see them falling back towards the pack because they've still got the game in hand at the moment haven't they they have even so though they're ahead so yeah Gloucester's remaining games are so they're away at the Upton Steel County ground at Leicester for uh, the game uh, the first game in June before that they are away at the Oval they could slip up there uh, and then they're playing Middlesex <laughs> And Hampshire, both those games are at Cheltenham. So facing the lakes of uh, Murter and Finn and Abbott and Abbas on a on an outground wicket could be a bit of a lottery. So uh, I'm not sure if those games are still going to be at Cheltenham or not because of. Uh, of I think COVID. they are. But that, so, yeah. yeah, so there are a couple of potential banana skins in, in Gloucester's very near future. So your prediction could come true, Steve, that they are. It does. It does still. It looks like a three-horse race, though, doesn't it? Because you can't see Surrey. They've only got three games, so they've they've got to get big wins in all three games and you know, big bonus point wins in all three games, and expect mm-hmm. two other teams to slip up above them. So, mm, interesting, interesting. Yeah, the table and, at the moment. Uh, Gloucester Hampshire play. were denied by the weather. I was afraid they were going to uh, roll Leicester in the they, the way they, Leicester were falling over at the weekend. They dangled a bit of a carrot, didn't they? Setting them was it 150 in 20 overs. They forfeited their second innings, didn't they? But I don't think Leicester mm. were ever interested in that. Uh, so the Group Two table then: Gloucester played six 105, Somerset played seven 104, Hampshire played seven 94, Surrey played seven 79, Middlesex played seven 55, and Leicester played six 51. Uh, Surrey and Middlesex. Drew at the Oval Middlesex's run chase uh, just running out of steam on that Sunday evening. I don't know what you think Dan but I think Neville Road is one of the ugliest grounds in the country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was my horrible. Uh, fourth, it was my fourth visit there. And yeah, every time I always think about how it's just not particularly nice. It's it's not 
It's not my least favorite ground. I think my least favorite ground is reserved for the Swaylek Stadium, or sorry, Sophia Gardens, as it's now known in Cardiff. Um, but yeah, well, it's I remember just going to Sophia Gardens before it was redeveloped, and it, it used to be a proper cricket ground. Now it's been mm. it's been redeveloped. It's it's lost a bit of its uh, charm. Um, yeah, but it, it did used to be quite nice. But I, I suppose I'm thinking it's quite nice because the stands had character because they were practically falling apart but uh <laughs> yeah Sophia Gardens yeah. used to be it used to be more cricket groundy but yeah I think I'll agree with you since the redevelopment it's lost a lot of yeah, its character it's a bit soulless and I think Glamorgan the games I've been to Glamorgan don't really get you know they were Glamorgan games and Glamorgan don't get many fans so <laughs> they were quite lifeless um but a couple of them are good games but yeah um going back to Bristol it's just a bit grey it's just a bit yeah there's just not much character uh the flats the, are a bit the buildings around it don't help though do they Dan because they're all very that grey sort of cotswold stone and you know all the road you go through all those rows of the terraced houses and that's a bit it's a bit bleak and you get mm. to the ground and those are, you expect to go in and see this beautiful cricket ground you go in and you think oh yeah right, exactly thanks. Yeah, we had that exact reaction in, a couple of years ago 2019 when I last went for the 50 over game we walked in and were like, "That was my first visit in a while." And it's just, yeah, that was my exact reaction. Oh, and it was a bit, it was a bit of a grey day. I think that probably didn't help. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you noticed, Ian. You probably did know this. Um, the, the, the there were no proper toilets, as far as I could tell. It was just portaloos. Well, I wasn't there long enough, Dan, to answer a call of nature. Unfortunately, uh, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I but did God, see that, that they me. only had portaloos there, which seemed a bit. Maybe well, I might be wrong. I may have the in and the out doors. I don't know. Yeah, maybe... but it's still a bit. It was still a bit tin pot. A lack mm. of proper toilets. The fact that it was just portaloos. For... Well, you can get nicer portaloos than those anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway, I've, I've actually made a little list of things I, I I've grown to hate about. Um... Are you going to do a just a minute now, Ian? Are you going to do a minute without hesitation, deviation, or repetition on? And your subject is what I don't like about the county ground in Bristol. You have one minute starting now. Well, I'm going to say scoreboard twice because I've got points about scoreboard. Right. The only scoreboard you could see was like one you'd see at a village club on the other mm. side of the ground. The big scoreboard with all the information was right behind you, which you couldn't see. That clock they've got on the outside of the indoor school where it just tells the time <laughs> in six foot high digital letters, that is incredibly exactly. ugly and needs getting rid of. Um, there's practically no seating behind the bowler's arm because we've got flats at Taunton, they've got flats at Neville Road. The flats at Taunton are a bit outside the ground and kind of are, they complement the ground quite nicely. Here it literally, it, at Neville Road it goes seating behind the bowler's arm which is maybe 10, 12 rows maximum. Then it's just absolutely dominated by the flats so you've got no seating behind the the bowler's arm for some reason uh we went in the ashley down road end and there's just acres of gravel it seems to be two parts gravel to one part path when you're trying to get to your seat that's weird uh the giant metal indoor school is incredibly ugly uh and needs demolishing and replacing something a little bit more tasteful that's all i've got i ran out i because my, my number six i've i've um well, well, I wrote six things down. One of them isn't about the ground. It's about the boorish idiot fan who was sat behind me. So we, we literally just take our seats, uh, obviously socially distanced, one seat apart, um, and then he just he just starts prattling on. It's absolute note. Oh, it's a shame that James Bracey isn't playing because he's in the England squad, but at least that means Craig Overton's not playing as well. This is the board just hits Bracey's gloves and he, and he tosses James it Bracey's off. taking the ball. Yeah, and he just tosses it off to... Uh, oh, just hit my mic. Sorry there. 
tosses it off to the philosophy undergraduate Chris Denton at second slip um, and then he was going on and on about his bloody wedding and oh god and how he thinks Joffre Archer's got a chronic elbow problem and he'll never play for England again and in a way, you do miss the. Was county. he talking to a mate, or was he doing it for your benefit? Oh, he was, you he was talking to somebody. The ground on their own. He was talking to somebody. Oh, right. and they were, responded in uh, complete know-it-all as well. So, uh, yeah, that was fine. Did you see Tractor on Saturday? Dan was he up for Saturday? Yep, he was there. Yep, got he's, very vocal in the last session. He's looking good. Yeah, you could hear him on the stream. It's amazing what. Um, a season of not drinking 10 pints a side of watching Somerset home and away could do for you because Tractor looks like he's lost about six stone he's looking really good if you're listening Tractor um, I hope you're well and look forward to seeing you uh, in a couple of weeks time Dan did you have anything else that you found particularly ugly about Neville Road uh, no I, th- I think you covered it all right. really um, oh the new pavilion's ugly as yeah. well I oh like yeah it. that's that's really ugly yeah, I, I was there the day. The old, um, the the old day pavilion wasn't particularly pretty, though. I think Gloucester have got their own podcast as well. So if you want to find uh, things that are ugly about Taunton, you are more than welcome to try. Ooh, that's tough. Oh, it to be tough. fair, the, the Ian Boat. Should be devil's advocate. What is what isn't very nice about Taunton? Let's physician. The, the Bowfram stands. The Bowfram stand is a bit angular. It's like it doesn't angle up yeah. the pitch, does yeah, it? That's the a bit. The shack's not quite angled towards. Mm, and that too. The, gap, it, really. the, gap, the thing for me is the gap where they put the temporary stand when we had the one day internationals of the World Cup with the big car park between the Colin Atkinson and the Caddick pavilions. That you know, that's just the one bit. If you could do something creative mm. with a bit of a stand there and still have the car park I behind like me, that, that would though, complete on, it. On a county game, you can you could just sort of stand there and. and... And watch if you don't fancy sitting down. I mean, you can always bring your your portable chairs and sit down there if you want. Um, yeah, I like that about that. I like to sort of stand up and watch. In a long day of county cricket, a county championship cricket, I like to be able to stand up and watch the game. And that's a good place to, you know, you know, I like to have a bit of time just standing yeah, up and stretching you can't my legs. Stand at so the front it's... of a stand, can you? Because you're obviously going to be no. getting in people's way. So um... yeah, there are benefits to that gap. But I think I wonder if long term they'll. Well, will they? Maybe maybe it's more economical for them to just have temporary stands there during the T20s and apart from that just have it empty um, I, I think what we should do is build another pavilion there because we could do with one more can't we we've only got four we could do with a fifth <laughs> pavilion who would we name it after Anya Shrubsell find the cat <laughs> <laughs> Steve's definitely desperately trying to think of something Tractor, we'll call it the Tractor Pavilion. I like that, yeah, yeah. Right, um, should we move on to listeners' questions? In the absence of a preview to do this week, um, have we got listeners' questions? Um, I think you put something on Facebook, Steve. I covered Twitter. Let's um, have a look at the notifications. Um, right, here we go. Uh, one from Richard Friedman. Does anybody know if Abbas will be available for Hampshire in the match next week? He was signed on a two-month contract, but unclear when specifically it ends. I think from listening to Kevin James last week, they said that they were expecting him to stay for up until the game's just finished. But this break, because they were off this week as well, that was going to be it. And his wife had just had another baby. So they, they didn't give a definitive answer, but I think they were doing the fearing the worst and thinking he was probably going to go back. 
because um, he was, as you say, he was just on two month contract. But I actually wouldn't be surprised if he stayed all the time they're in with a shout of getting through because I think they've got an option on him coming back in September as well. So. Anything to add, Dan? You're normally the demand for contract. Yeah, I'm just. I think Pakistan. I'm just checking. Pakistan have got a. Uh, no, it's not till August. Pakistan have got a two test series against West Indies, but it's not till August. So I don't think that'll affect Abbas now. Um, I mean, it, I mean, presumably it could later in the season. Um, but yeah, no. I, I my impression is that he's that it was a two month deal and that he'll probably be going. But I don't think we really know yet. Um, yeah, if they've just signed Colin de Grandem, haven't they? But I think that's just for T20, so I'm not sure. I don't think he'll be yeah, playing. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a shame. I want to see his haircut. We miss seeing Peter Hanscom's magnificent mullet um, of Middlesex was out of the county ground a few weeks ago. So Colin de Grandem has got a very special <laughs> Kentucky waterfall as well, I believe. So hopefully he'll be there in some capacity. We can we can aura his marvelous haircut. Um, who we got next? <laughs> Anil Jang, the uh, chairman of the California branch of the Somerset Cricket Supporters Club. Uh, we've pinpointed the top order for obvious reasons this year. However, after a strong foundation in this innings, 85 for two, batsman four to seven contributed a net 22 runs. For me, Davis needs to keep wicket, even though Tom had the gloves versus Surrey. But any perspective on bringing in Tom at four to six? Um, I possibly think they're gearing up Tom Banton for the T20s now um, I don't think we'll see him play any Red Bull cricket um, unless he's um, has a go in the second team um, I think if we need him in September he'll obviously be available but I think they'll stick with the team that they've got now for um, these remaining what uh, the remaining three county championship games um, I don't think they can it'll be fair to drop Goldsworthy um, although you could make the argument that if you want to be successful in sports, sometimes you have to be ruthless. And um, I think we could all agree that Tom Banton is a better player than Lewis Goldsworthy. And it might not be fair to Goldsworthy to drop him, but sometimes life isn't fair. And Tom Banton is a world-class talent. And sometimes you need those guys on your side. One, one player who might come in is presumably Devon Conway for the last two games um, of this yeah. stage. Um, so, my assumption was that it, he would probably, when we don't know, I mean, obviously that's a month, month and a bit away and things can change. But if the, if that was happening right now, my, I'd assume that Conway would come in for Lamanby um, and open the batting just based on form. I mean, I love Tom, I love Lamanby and he was so good last season, but his run of form this season is just extending more and more. I mean, maybe whether you can read much into him get, being run out, maybe you can. Maybe you, it's a sign of a, you know, of um, you know, being mentally, you know, mentally struggling. You know, taking a run like that, trying to take a run that clearly wasn't there. But or maybe they'll say, oh, it's just a run out. It's it's not a sign of bad form with the bat, so we'll keep you in." But you know, his his second highest score of the season is thirteen. You know, it's and it's 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 stretching on this bad run of form. But um, yeah, I, I think he'll stay in for the Hampshire game. I don't think there's really other any other choice, um, considering he's barely actually batted in the last month or so. Because the, the, the yeah. Surrey game never got a bat. This week, no one's going to get a bat. Obviously, because he haven't got a game. We only have one innings to be Gloucester, so I think he'll play, and then we'll reassess come July for those last couple of um, games of this stage. Well, as I alluded to earlier, Anthony's 
Anthony's mentioned in his email he sent me about um, Tom Abel moving up to open. But I can't see they're going to change the batting order just for the one game because I think you're right, Dan. They then have to move Abel back down to three to accommodate Conway in June. But this, I guess this has come, I've been longing to do this, I guess this has come from Steve Pittard. Anthony's personal statistician, but he says, uh, "Wait, wait! You've, um, got, you've got to give him his full uh, job title and uh, place." Landlord of Eli's, formerly the Rose and Crown at Jewish Episcopi. Did I get that right? Other way around. It's the it Rose is. and Crown that used to be Eli's. Right. Okay. Sorry. Um, and he says Abel has arrived at the crease in the first over the summer innings once, the second over twice, the third over four times, and the fifth over once. And only in the first innings against Middlesex did he not come in until the 12th over. So that's obviously pre... Well, no, I assume that includes the first innings against Gloucestershire as well from when well, this was sent. Second over, I think. Yeah, yep. second over. Yep. Yeah, it was the beginning of the second over. That So, you know, my view is that it's working for Tom Abel. It's, why should we change it? We, we did it with Hildreth, didn't we? Moved him up to three and then abandoned that experiment a while in 2019 uh, uh, my my only thought would be and it's slightly slightly strange Jack Leach is going to be going off to England maybe we play Lewis Goldsworthy and says he can bolt the left arm spin in either of these games and that allows us to to accommodate the extra batsman and move everyone down one. But then Lewis Gregory becomes the best number 10 in county cricket <laughs> rather than the best number nine. So, so you're effectively... Uh, it's a nice <clears throat> nice problem to have, guys, isn't playing, it? <clears throat> playing effectively eight specialist batsmen. <clears throat> if you count Steve Davis as a specialist batsman, he's good enough to yep. play as a specialist batsman. <laughs> the eight spe- yeah, so but I've have just Davis got the averages here, guys. Um... If you look at if you go down the national averages, by my reckoning, Tom Abel is second among English qualified batsmen, just behind Jake Libby, mm-hmm. and interestingly ahead of Ollie Pope and Rory Burns, who were both shoe-ins for the England side. I would guess um, he's averaging sixty-six now, which is which is pretty impressive. But what struck me, Dan, and I'm sure you've spotted this already, is there is a heck of a lot of batsmen averaging over 40. Um, yeah. I know there's yeah, a few there's... that haven't had much of an innings, but if you take properly qualified batsmen, you know, there's an awful lot in there, far more than I would have expected. Yeah, I think the pitches have been better. The... Pitches have been better than expected, yeah, for, for this time of year. Um, with the, I'm not sure exactly why it might be to do, the, I think, Maybe because April was drier than usual, I think that the, you know, the draw point draws being yeah, worth a bit more. Um, yeah, um, so stuff like that maybe, and also the fact that there's no relegation um, means teams are happier to produce pitches, which might result in draws perhaps. Um, and it's encouraging from the ECB perhaps. You know, they you know they want better pitches for batting to help the test team. But yeah, so yeah, there has been a lot of players who are averaging quite highly but Tom Abel is one of the highest yeah you said Steve one of the highest um, overall and also one of the highest in terms of non-England capped batsmen as well so obviously players like Roy Burns and Ollie Pope are up there but of the players who don't haven't played for England yet you know Abel is right at the, right near the top um, so hopefully he can really push on and get a few more centuries this season because um, that's that's really what's going to put you know help him bash the door down 
um, for England selection. One thing that I did, uh, I suppose, the uh, silver lining to the cloud of having my Thursday rained off was getting to the pub just in time to watch middle uh, to watch Surrey lose six for seven. That was fantastic. <laughs> you mentioned Ollie Pope; he's got a big double hundred earlier in the year, but if he's still only averaging the same as, as Abe's, he's he's not in the greatest of form at the moment. And I think one of the the characteristics of Tom's season is he's not really had any failures. He's not got a big hundreds just a 100 a few 80s but he's not had a lot of failures as well yeah only two single figure scores mm -hmm. um out of um what, about 11 innings is it um yeah about, out of 10 innings yeah two single figure scores i mean i think they will persevere with um tom lamaby at the top of the order purely because he they know that he's got it in him because he, he's done it last year um and i will have one little um Mitigator for his run out on Thursday. Eddie Byram, a couple of overs later, Eddie Byram did a similar thing where he, he pushed it square of the wicket. And I think the outfield just slowed it up more than he thought it would. I think he just felt the weight of the shot and how it came off the bat that that was just going straight past the fielder. Might not go to the boundary, but they'd certainly be able to pick up a, uh, a couple quite easily. Um, and, and Abel sent him back because obviously he'd seen what was going on the same way that. Uh, Byram did to Lamanby, so that might be the only mitigator there that he just thought that he just got a little bit more on it and was just running on how it felt coming off the bat and it just slowed up a bit but he does look a little bit mentally frazzled doesn't he because I, I think it was a case that he came out and he was like I'm going to play positively from the start I'm, you know he, he played a couple of nice shots in that first over and I think he, he thought if I play positively and I can get away to 20 in no time at all I'll be fine which actually I've not got a problem with, but but it's you know when you haven't got a run and you're trying to do that, it probably puts a bit more pressure on you. What was that? People used to say about Kevin Peterson, didn't they? They called it the Red Bull Run. You had to be on your toes if you're the non-strikers. Then when KP came in, because at the fall of the previous wicket, he would literally strapedo a can of Red Bull, run down the stairs, and be absolutely high as a kite for the first four or five pulls of his innings. Just on Red Bull, and uh, we'll just try and run these these mad singles like uh, uh, like Lammers. I think it's frustrating because I sense with Tom Tom Lammerby and with James Hildreth that they are both close to having a couple of really good innings. You know, Hildy looks great, really looks great, and then he gets out. You know, he's done that so many times this year. He's he probably got himself in pretty well every innings and then got out. So you know, I, I'm. I'm the only thing that worries me going forward is when you look at the Somerset bowling averages and you take Craig Overton out, as we're going to have to, that's, that's quite a scary thought at the moment. And, you know, we need, we desperately need the Lewis Gregory of two years ago, Josh Davey carrying on as he is, and somebody like Marshall Dalanga to step up and, and perform because that that's our biggest challenge i think going What's forward lewis averaging around 20 and josh is about 17 i'm just trying to remember i had a look at the um, Josh is 16.77 with 22 wickets and lewis is 30.6 oh, with 18 okay yeah yeah so craig's got 36 wickets and then josh and lewis have got 40 between them I suppose um, our third. So you take Jack Leach out as well. Leach is Harvey Bold and Marchant's yeah. not had a great deal of success as well. I, I, what's Marchant got about seven or eight wickets, if that? He has eight, eight at eight. thirty-three point seven five. 
Yeah, no, you need, yeah. You, you, pick, you build a team to be successful and go into the England side, and that's what you want, isn't it? So, Yeah, and um, well, the looks of the pundits, half the teams that they picked had uh, Ollie Robertson in instead of Craig, so uh, it looks like he's probably going to be sat with his... Um, with his feet up watching at Lords in a in a week or so's time. I had a thought, if England don't play a spinner in that test match, is there any point in Jack Leach hanging around? Because he if we don't play a spinner, we're not going to need a, a spin bowling COVID replacement or a spin bowling concussion replacement. So surely he could come back and play at Taunton if needed. Well it's it's whether he can so this is the first test you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's, it's whether he can leave the bubble, isn't it? Whether he can leave and rejoin, because there is a bubble, isn't there, in place? Because, um, what, the first test at Lords, isn't it? Second test at Edgebast. And see, yeah, Edgebast, and they might need him, and they might, you know, they, they might be thinking that they're going to need him there. So it might be that they don't want him to, that they're not able to have him leave and come back. Um, yeah, it's back to back tests as well, which we'll think. Yeah. About, I suppose. I suppose with all the rain that we've had as well, it's unlikely to be a, a side or a bad pitch as well so you're right Steve we mm. might just get away with um, we might play the extra extra batsman and have Lewis Goldsworthy to provide the spin if needed I almost wonder if with Craig missing and knowing that our attack you know without him it, it's you know we haven't you know against Surrey we against Surrey it was clear that you know we, we weren't at our best without Craig it might be that we actually play an extra seam bowler, perhaps, um, and maybe because against Surrey we play Roloff, but I almost wonder if we play Brooks instead of Roloff, or even Ned Leonard or someone like that. Oh, I think Leonard's Ned had Leonard. he's had a good time in the seconds um, this year. Yeah, Leonard, I think so. You know, he. he I don't think that's a bad shout. I think somebody new and for the shock value as much as anything else. You know, Ned Leonard's the sort of bowler in the team. Oh, Ned Leonard! Sorry, I won't do it anymore. <laughs> It seems to take wickets in in a rush. You know, he'll pick up three or four yeah. in a spell or a session. So and I yeah. think he's in some. And Casey Aldridge is coming back as well, Dan. He is, yeah. Almost, I think it might it might be a bit too soon for him the Hampshire game because mm. there's no mm. second eleven four day games before then. But Leonard had a five for recently as well. I think he, he's found a bit of form. Um, and I just wonder. I'm just worried that if Gregory isn't at his best again. Um, and if Delang is not at his best again, suddenly we're, we're struggling, you know. We're, and with Tom Abel then as the fourth seamer, if it's not spinning, then you know we wouldn't be able to bowl much of Roloff or much of Goldsworth except in a holding role. So, just think that I think we might decide to play that extra seam bowler. Um, and yeah, Leonard, Leonard could be the one, particularly as Brooksy. You know, we know he's a good bowler on his day, but he's not had, you know, he's not at his best at the moment this season. Um, he's just not quite there, is he? He's not possibly not quite fully fit no. um, so Leonard could be the man but I think I have to see I think we also have to factor in that Hampshire are behind us so we don't want to lose this game so I've got a feeling we will be preparing possibly the flattest pitch that we've seen at Taunton for a very very long time in which case you might be better off playing the extra bowler yeah um, I can't remember when was the last have any draws in the Bob Willis Trophy at Taunton last year? Did we? What was the last draw? Oh, don't say yeah. Essex. I'm not counting Essex. The last proper last, draw we had at Taunton. The last draw at Taunton. Uh, I can find that. Um, that would be. Oh, yeah. So 
um, not including Essex. I mean, Surrey in 2019 um, was a draw at Taunton. That was that was uh, a game where day four was completely rained off, though. So um, I don't know if we're, yes. if we if we're excluding uh, rain. Up to quite a good game, as I remember. It was. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. 2018 mm. as well sorry that was the one where there was the the issue with the covers and the rain stepped under so that was another oh, one where, I remember that, uh, yeah, yeah. The, that the, last the last pure draw the season the last home yeah. game of the season the last pure draw at Taunton which wasn't rain affected would have been Hampshire 2018 um were, I think we mentioned it the other day in fact where Vince and Amla got loads of runs mm. did we talk about that um yeah. Vince had a double century the Jack on the last Lee injured finger game yeah that one yeah Interesting though, something else just reading through Anthony's email again. We're going to have spectators in, and I think that's going to make a difference. I really do. Um, I think that that will lift the players. I think the atmosphere will be tremendous. And I think that could, you know, that Taunton is one of those grounds where you really do notice the crowd being in. And I, I, I think it will be good, even though we're not going to have anywhere near the capacity we'd like to have. Yeah. Especially if it's sunny so, as well, you know, and everybody's not just huddled up in their coats with umbrellas popping up sporadically. Yeah. The weather's on it's way, guys. It's oh, going to be glorious soon. So I just keep thinking, well, it, it just hasn't. When was the last time it didn't rain? I can't honestly remember. It was. It's, I woke up this morning, no. pulled the curtains. It was really nice. Can I? Can I throw some today? No. Chucked it down again. Can I throw something at you again? This is. This is, I'm going to read the last paragraph of Anthony's email. If Somerset and Gloucester are the top two in group two come the end of July, then I don't think we should make too much of the 6.5 point deficit. With Brathwaite gone and Bracey probably with England, the gloss batting is weak and the bowling a bit samey, especially for the likely conditions in September. I'd rather they went through with us than Hampshire or Surrey. And I've read that over and over again. And to me... I would rather we went through with as many points as possible. We don't have to play Gloucestershire again, and all the other teams that qualify do. So that would give them all an advantage because they're likely to pick up more points in the game. If, if Anthony's, if I follow Anthony's logic through, and he's saying Gloucester are going to be the also rounds in Division One, am I, am I completely missing the point there? So I, Bracy will be back for. Division one, won't he? Because the internationals are over by then. No, I think there's still a couple of tests going on during the latter stages of of the championship. Um, okay. I think I think what he's trying to say is, if Gloucester go through, they're likely to be the whipping boys of that division, and mm. most of the other sides will beat them, but we won't have the opportunity to beat them. But whereas Hampshire will be a side that will be a little bit more in the mix. And may win a few and lose a few. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, makes sense. Yeah. It's all. It's all part of the. And we spoke a bit about this last week, didn't we, Dan? About all these, these calculations and permutations and. <clears throat> yeah. And combinations of points you can bring through and, and this that and the other when you when you progress from, uh, the group stage to the division stage, bringing through, half the points that you've got against the the other team. Um, it's an interesting point I think I'm inclined to agree with Anthony because especially if we beat Hampshire next week then we'll be taking through more points although that will 
conversely yeah. make it more difficult for Hampshire to qualify. So maybe a high scoring draw may be the best option for us. To keep them in contact with them, us, yeah, with Gloucestershire. Oh, yeah. it's, it's back to what we talked about last week. We don't want to beat them because because <laughs> we want them to come through because we've already beaten them. And then, but we... Oh. And for that reason as well, I was... about it. I was almost thinking last week that a Hampshire win against Leicester might actually in the end help us because it might mean that Gloucestershire end up being edged out. As long as the Hampshire winning doesn't help them edge us out in the top two, if it helps edge Gloucester out, it might help us. And it might, if we can beat Hampshire at Taunton, then we will carry forward a lot of points. You know, we'll carry forward uh, but 21 or so and Hampshire will barely carry forward any. So that's um, another reason for maybe wanting Hampshire to go through. But yeah, yeah. Um, the other just, thing is obviously the other groups. That, yeah, that's it. Dan, you, you've read my mind there. I was just going to say, we've probably got the first time we can actually say there's a Division One game taking place this week because the first of the Roses games happens at Old Trafford this, in this round. And I can't see any way any of the other teams. I mean, they've both played six and are well clear of Glamorgan who've played seven in that group. Um, and in the other group, if Durham were to beat Essex at Chesterfield Street, that would pretty well make it really hard for Essex to qualify because um, they've played one more game at the moment. That group is still incredibly tight. So I think there's some there's some really interesting games to listen to, stroke watch over the next few days because there's group one's really interesting. You've got the two games in our group, and then you've got the Roses game as well. So yeah, that's. I think we'll know more this time next week about how Group One shaking shaping up. I don't think we'll know about our group until probably round nine or round ten. I think ours is going to go right to the death. Yeah, the games in our group this week are Surrey uh, against Gloucester up, uh, up at the Oval, and then Leicester against Middlesex at the Upton Steel County Ground, Grace Road, which is probably the first Division Three game of the season, Ian. Uh, yeah, they'll be playing to avoid the wooden spoon uh, at that game. The final, the final day's games or the final group games are Gloucester against Hampshire at Cheltenham, Middlesex against Leicester again. That's been played at Merchant Taylors, and uh, we are away at the Oval for Overton versus Overton, providing they both get selected. So you'd think Gloucester Hampshire, you'd think that could potentially be um, in effect a semi-final. You'd hope that Gloucester have. Yeah. faded back sufficiently so that they will be need a result to qualify and likewise Hampshire you'd hope that we're okay that we don't need a result up at the Oval um, it'll be it'll be bittersweet if Jamie Overton suddenly found form and ran through us uh, Kyle Abbott style don't 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 <laughs> go there 17 for edit, that, edit that bit out <laughs> we can't tempt fate we can't tempt fate um, did you get any questions on the Facebook post you popped up, Steve? I think I only got two on Twitter. No, I didn't. I'm afraid I think, losing interest. No. <laughs> we've kind of run. We've run out of questions. We've done the bat in order to death. We've done should Tom Abel <laughs> open to death. We need a klaxon if any of that gets mentioned again because it's, there's no way Tom Abel is going to voluntarily step up to open the bat in. I think after. All the, the opportunities. I guarantee you, Anthony will raise it again, Ian. And again. No, we know we and know. again. 
I've, I've got a new subject. <laughs> oh, go on, Dan. Oh, uh, yes, Western uh, yes, Storm. Western Storm, that starts on yes. Saturday. They do, yeah. Uh, are, you, are you going? I'll be there. Bristol uh, again. I'm, no, I'm... Well, not only am I not going to be able to go, um, I'm actually missing a game of cricket because my wife has booked a weekend away. So the first... Ah. Um, yeah, we've had six games in a row cancelled without Paul being bowled, if you count midweek games as well. Um, mm. Sorry, Steve, I had to rearrange all those games for nothing. Sorry. Um, yeah, so and then it's Soslaw that my wife's put the weekend away. So I uh, I won't be able to attend, unfortunately. We're up in uh, in North Devon having a little break. Um, but that's at Taunton against the... Yeah, Bristol. Oh, Bristol, sorry. Oh, that's against Northwest Thunder. I saw a bit of the warm-up game they had um, on Sunday against Lightning. They uh, They did their best to... Nearly caught that run chase up, didn't they? They lost a couple of yeah, no, the last over. yeah, they did a bit. Um, yeah, uh, we had fifties from Lauren Parfitt and Fee Morris uh, at the top of the order. They they collapsed a little bit, but um, yeah, they were fairly comfortable in the end. They, they four balls to spare. Um, they, I think they were fairly in control. The game before that, they won that as well. That was a that was a snorter by the sounds of it. Um, Storm were chasing two hundred. Um, they they collapsed a bit. They well, not collapsed, but they they fell to. Uh, one three six for eight, um, despite a few runs from Luff and Danielle Gibson, um, but Luff was still there, and her and uh, Molly Robbins put on about sixty six. It would have been um, for the ninth wicket, and they um, got over the line. That was a good result. Luff had eighty seven not out, so um, two wins in pre season going into uh, the first game on Saturday, and also on Saturday they'll have um, night. Uh, Ever Knight, Anya Shropsalt, and Casey George, the three uh, England players. Um, so it should be a good game on Saturday. When are the England women's international start? Don't Not until back into July, uh, I think. Middle of... I don't know why I'm looking at my wall chart because they're not on there because I don't think they've been announced. No, 16th of June. Um, yeah, those, those fixes were announced quite late. Um, it's the test match, England-India at Bristol. I've, I, meant, I might have mentioned this before. I'm not sure of the choice of Bristol for a women's test because women's test pitches in the past have often been criticised for being too slow and not conducive to stroke play. Uh, you kind of want pace. You want pace in a test for a women's pitch uh, for a test match. Um, and Bristol is like the last ground for pace <laughs> in England. So I'm interested to see how that goes. And I hope it's not a boring one because there's been a few boring women's tests which have you know, cause a bit of criticism of the format and questioned people. You know, question this caused people to question them even playing tests. Yeah, the one at um, last year was a draw. That, but that was only because the weather was not last year, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, weather was, the weather great, was wasn't awful it? for that one. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, so uh, I'd like to see Sophie Luff in and around. She's done enough to get an England squad call up, I think. She's yeah, I, she she started well this year. Um, I guess you have to see how it goes in the in the real group games, but I think she's she's knocked on the door long enough now. And I think one of the yeah, I think in of the England women's team is that it's easier to uh, to stay in it than than to get out of it. It's been a bit of a close shop. Yeah, I don't. I think I was, there was a there was a good stat I saw recently. There's not been a debutant batsman for England in the top six for years. I can't remember the year it was, but it was for a very long time. And Luff, I think, would be suited particularly to ODIs. Um, so I think she, if she can have a good Hayo Flint trophy, she has to be in with a shout um, of a spot, or at least a member, of, uh, or at least a spot in the squad. Um, 
for England. Um, she's a bit old. I mean, you were, you know, I hope there's not. I don't I hope they don't have the the, the James Hildreth attitude of not picking her because she's a bit older. She's not even old. She's only about 26, 27. But I think they might see that as slightly too old because they like to pick youngsters. Um, but if if they if they pick on Merritt, she she has to be very close. I think. Yeah. Particularly if she has a good so season. Uh, they've got four games. They've got two this weekend. One on Saturday. One on the Bank Holiday Monday, and then one next Saturday, and then one the Saturday after that. So um, that'll finish on June the twelfth, and then I guess they're breaking then for the for the international. So uh, four games for the mm-hmm. Western Storm girls to catch the eyes of the selectors. Well, there's T twenty games after that. I think there's four Hay Flints, and then three T twenty matches. I think it is. Um, oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, then it's the hundred, um, but only internationals are on in the background. What? So um, <laughs> internationals are on in the background, so the England players will miss a few games, um, certainly. One question. Oh, I remember this from last week. We didn't get to discuss it with the Australian players not coming over for the hundred, which is strongly rumoured, and I think it will happen because I believe the current legislation uh, from the Aussie government is if you leave the country, you can't come back. Um, which it was the other way round, but um, uh, yeah. Uh, but is that going to result? Do we think in the domestic cupboard being raided even further? I think it'll just mean different overseas players coming in. Um, yeah, at least for the men's hundred. Um, for the women's hundred, they may, I suppose, struggle to fill the slots. They might decide to play. You know, some extra domestic players might come in. Uh, but for the men's hundred, there'll be enough domestic players. There'll be enough overseas players from other countries. I think there were loads of players in the in the draft they'll use some Irish players if they have to you know they're quite accessible players like Paul Sterling so uh, I don't think it will be yeah I can't help but see my heart my heart can't help but lift when I see that hundreds run into some issues but um, <laughs> they'll solve them with some maybe slightly lower quality overseas players I think I'm I'm really excited because did we see they announced all the DJs that are going to be playing at the 100 games oh, that's enticed so, me to go that yeah i I was. Uh, I think our DJs at Welsh Fire are. They're called Grultluck, which I think is uh, street if it, for girls. If the listeners could see my face at the moment, it's. <laughs> I'm just looking at myself on the screen, and I just, I just, my, my I think is yeah. yeah. Yes, that is that is the polite word, Mr. Shepherd. That's the polite word. I think it's the gap, isn't it? They're having these what they, the BBC Sounds new music undiscovered talent DJs at the hundred oh, games. Great. Just we'll we'll have the Wurzels uh, cider on tap. That would well, do us absolutely. We're all going to go to watch some fifty over games and no, support the boys uh, when that's on. I'm so. sure they got wind of my idea last year because last year we were due to play on the same day. Uh, we were due to play Yorkshire on the same day that Welsh Fire were playing somebody and had it all planned as a big 100 protest game and now they they don't seem to be playing the counties that are in the regions don't seem to be playing on the same days that the regions are or we could just go to a 100 game and protest we'll probably be the only ones there and you can run on the pitch that day Dan that would be positively encouraged <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it'll be worth it for a band for life in cricket grass. <laughs> well, is the hundred even cricket? That's the uh, that's the eternal talking point that seems to to crop up every now and again. Right, um, I think we're pretty much done for listeners' questions. Is there anything uh, else that's caught our eyes that we need to have a little chat about? 
Oh, two years to the day since the uh, Royal London Cup victory, as described marvellously by Anthony Gibson in our in our intro. It seems funny to think now. It feels like the season's barely started now, and this time a couple of years ago, we'd already won a, won a trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the one day cup start. I think it was because the championship. It, there was only two rounds of the championship before the one day cup started. That was a good. That was a good year for scheduling. Uh, I quite like that. The it got the champ. It got the one day cup out the way early. It meant you could have the championship in the height of summer, which is you know what we all want and what the England Test team needs. But yeah, it was a great day two years ago. I suppose the um, cynic in me is saying that they want to play the the championship games at the same time as the World Cup because everybody would be watching the World Cup and nobody would care necessarily about the about the championship during that time. But that's just me being a cynic. Right, anything else cropping up, uh, guys? Have you got any other business before we uh, we call it a night? Well, one one other business and one shameless plug. First of all, I got my copy of the latest Somerset Cricketers today. So thank you to Messrs Hill and Phillips. And I think if you still haven't got a copy, there are a few left, they tell me. So please email Barry. It's details on the blog and various other places if you haven't got your copy. And the second is a shameless plug. In the gap between county games, there's two new features on the blog. Um, and I've launched one today, which is First Games, which is an absolute cracking story of a former Somerset captain's wedding day. So if you head over to the blog after you've listened to this, you'll see it there. And the first of my take on Somerset cricketers will be out on Thursday. And if you don't know where Steve's blog is, you can find it at www.somersetnorth.co.uk or Twitter, Somerset North Blog. Absolutely. Not very, not very shameless plug at all, Steve. I thought it was a very respectful and dignified plug. <laughs> Anything more from yourselves? I won't uh, get a job in the hundred marketing department, <laughs> absolutely will I? Absolutely not. No. You'd do better than them. <laughs> Wouldn't take much. <laughs> oh dear. Anything? Uh, anything from yourself, Dan? No, I think that's it. Right, um, cool. Right. Shall we uh, reconvene then in a week's time, and we'll have a look forward to um, to catching up at uh, Taunton finally. Uh, to finally get back to the county ground to watch a game of cricket but for uh, Dan and Steve I'm Ian Shepherd. you've been listening to Always Look on the Bright Side Life you can follow us on Twitter at Somerset Podcast we're on uh, Facebook as well Always Look on the Bright Side of Life and if you want to drop us an email we are uh, the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com but thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time <laughs>